Now this Bible, as we get ready to open the Word for today, Lord, we just thank you for this day as we have sung and worshipped you. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we look at your Word. Guide us, teach us from your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're in Nahum chapter 1, starting at verse 7 today. If you need to find Nahum and you haven't marked it yet in your Bibles, if you use the Pew Bible, it's page 551. Um, last week we talked about God's vengeance on those who are his enemies. This week we're going to look at a little more about God's vengeance, but it's from his loving side of protecting his children. So we're also going to be looking at God's love. So starting in verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. But with an overrunning flood, he will make an utter end of the place thereof, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not, shall not rise up a second time. For while they are folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fear, fully dry. There is one come out of, of you that imagines evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. Thus saith the Lord, though they be quiet and likewise many, yet thus shall they be cut down when he shall pass through. For I have afflicted you, I, I will afflict you no more. For now I will break his yoke from off of you and will burst the, your bonds asunder. And the Lord hath given a commandment concerning you that no more of your name be sown. Out of the house of the gods I will cut off the gra graven images and the molded images, and I will make your grave, for you are vile. Behold upon the mountains of the feet of him that brings good tidings, that publish peace, O Judah, keep your solemn feast, perform your vows, for the wicked shall no more pass through you. He is utterly cut off. Here we look at this. I love this very first part in verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows them that trust in him. Think about this. God is good. All, you know, God is always good, even when it seems to us that he's not being good. Okay? And that's something we really have to understand. God's perspective is different from ours. We look at it and say, God, all these bad things are happening to me. And God says, no, they're not bad. They are helping you. And we look at this, and when we get to heaven and God shows us the completed work, we will understand how everything fit together. And if you live long enough with God, you can look back over your life in enough places and say, okay, you know, I really thought that was bad, but look how God used it in my life. And we can go, yes. Now, does that make it easy when we're in the middle of our troubles and our trials? Yes and no. In, in one side, yes, our emotions and our, and our mind gets in the way and says, you know, everything's bad. But hopefully we grab hold of what God says, and God says, it's good. It is good. We may not understand it, and I've told you many times, there's times when I've said to God, God, I just don't understand how this is going to be good. I don't understand how this is, it can possibly have a good impact, but you've promised that it will. And grabbing hold of God's word by faith will get us through a lot of things. You know, when we go through bad things and we're not feeling good about things, we need to be careful. You know, I'm not saying our feelings aren't real. We have feelings, 
but the thing that we're feeling is not real. <laughs> okay? We may be angry. We may be disappointed. We may be devastated in our emotions, but our emotions lie to us. You know, our emotions lie to us almost all the time. We cannot afford to be driven by emotions. We need to be driven by the Word of God. And this is something that is very tough to do because emotions are very real. Don't, don't ever say to somebody, well, you know, you're, you're, they're not real. They're very real. Whether they're right or not, so that's another story. All right? But God says, I am good. He is a stronghold. He is a place of refuge. He's where we're to run when we're in trouble. And this is why it's so good. When you're having hard times, things look like they're going wrong, run to God. Run to God. Get inside God and hide. You know, one of the accusations about the world is you Christians just to have a crutch to, to lean on and go, yes, absolutely, I'm glad I have a crutch. God is my crutch. What is yours? Every single person has a crutch in their life, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. The workaholic has a crutch. It's his work or her work. You know, everybody has a crutch that they lean on. Some people, it's alcohol and drugs. Some things, it's good. You know, it's, it's some things that we would say good. Their, their work, their devotion to their family, whatever it might be. But everybody has something that they lean on. For us as Christians, our refuge and our crutch is God. And I can't think of a better crutch because he just says, hide in me. He doesn't even say, lean on me. He says, hide in me. I'm your stronghold. I'm your refuge. And it says that he is good. And it's wonderful that we can depend on him. He says, I know those who trust in me. And this is in contrast to the first six verses where he says, I have vengeance on those that are my enemies. When we trust God, we become his. And this is very important. When God is on our side, nobody can be against us. You know, we look, at, we look at Job's life. Job went through a lot of hard times. God's testimony of him was he was a perfect and upright man that hates evil. And Satan says, well, he's only that way because you're protecting him. So God says, okay, you go, you go test him. Job had every right to go, I don't know what happened to God. You know, God went on vacation. Look what's happening to me. And yet he stayed and said, God, I, I will take whatever you give me. And then he had three wonderful friends that kept telling him how bad he was. You know, how would you like to have friends? You're, you're down and all they're doing is kicking you down the gutter a little bit more. That was Job's friends. And finally, God steps in and, and makes, shows what's going on. But, you know, we need to understand God knows us. You know, and I like the fact that God knows us. And that he is going to be on our side. And then in parallel, in parallel, it goes back to Aiden. But the overrunning flood, he will make another end of the place, and darkness shall pursue his enemies. So this is going back to the first part. He goes, I'm going to love you, I'm going to protect you, but on your enemies, or my enemies, you know, overwhelming flood and darkness, those are two pretty strong terms. An overwhelming flood. Now, we, we around here know that it doesn't take much to get flash floods. And we know the power of... You know, even a, a wash running, you know, three, three or four feet of water, you know, or even two or three inches of water sometimes around here is pretty bad. And God says, I'm going to run a flood against my enemies. I'm going to bring darkness upon them, obscurity. 
And this is a pretty powerful picture. God says he's going to take vengeance. And in the first part, remember last week we talked about his vengeance. His vengeance. He says, vengeance is mine. And we need to be careful that we don't try to make vengeance on people. Our call is to love them. Be kind to them. Do good. Verse 9 says, What do you imagine against the Lord? He will make another end. Infliction shall not rise up a second time. Imagine. What do you think about God? What do we truly think about God? Who is God in your, in your mind? You know, and we've talked about this. No matter what you think about God, even when it's right, you're too small and you're too, too weak. But what do we think about God? There are many people who think God is up in heaven with a great big baseball bat or lightning bolts or something waiting to, to pounce on you for anything you do wrong. Yeah, that's not God. You know, that is not God. That's Satan's version, you know, parody of God. God is up there looking, saying, how can I reward my children? You know, how many parents, and I know you know there's bad parents out there, but any good parent is looking at their child, how can I bless my child? You know, if you're a good parent, you're not looking at your children saying, oh, all right, I'm, I'm going to catch them in bad today. I'm just looking forward to catching them in bad. If you're a good parent, you're not having that attitude. You're looking to go, what can I tell my children they're doing good? What can I do to, to bless my children? God is a good parent. That doesn't mean he won't discipline disobedience, but he's looking for, what can I bless my children with? Yeah. And I love that God is good and wanting to bless us. And he's looking for things. When we stand before Jesus at the Bema seat, he's going to take our works, throw them, throw them in the fire, and burn off everything that doesn't meet his standards. And his attitude is not going to be, you know, what a loser you are. Look at all the stuff we threw in and how little came out. That is not what he's going to say. He's going to say, here's your reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, and every one of us is going to lose probably most of what goes in that fire. Because we, most of us do a lot of things for the wrong motivation. So all of us are going to lose it. And, you know, if God was, you know, what a loser, you know. No, that's not his attitude. His attitude is going to be, look at this. Here's your reward. Eternal reward that we get to carry into heaven. And God is saying, I will not judge my children. He will punish. He goes, for they, for while they are folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dried. Enemies that God says. He goes, though they be like thorns matted together, woven together. If anybody's ever tried to walk through a thorn patch, you know, I've tried it once. I learned my lesson very quickly. I never tried it again. Uh, you know how the thorns get all intertwined together and you can't get between the bushes? You might think you can because you've got a bush over here and a bush over here, and you think you can walk between the branches. They don't really let go very easily. And that's what he's talking about. Like that, he goes, like the person who's heavily drinking and, and, and drunk, or as stubble that's fully dried. Now, people who, who love to burn things, you know, you know how you can put a log on the fire, but it has to have a good fire going for the log to even start catching? Or you could put your, your lightweight stuff, and you put the match to it, and all of a sudden it just explodes. Dry stubble explodes into flame. And he says, this is what it is going to be like for these people. The punishment is sure. It is a sure thing. When you put a match to dry stubble, it lights. 
And he's saying, this is my punishment. It is sure. And God is trying to encourage us as his children. Do not think that the evil person is getting away with anything. <laughs> okay. David in several Psalms said, why, God, <laughs> do, the, do the heathen get so successful? It looks like everything's going their way. By the end of the Psalm, he'd go, okay, yes, God, you're, you're going to deliver. Remember, God's perspective is not our perspective. He looks at it long term, and he gives the evil person a long enough chain or rope to repent. God's desire is for people to repent and become his children. And for anybody who's ever gotten saved at an older age, they're glad that God is patient. You know, if you don't get saved by 10 years old and God says, okay, that's it, you're done, many of us would be in trouble. You know, people who get saved after that would be in big trouble. You know, if you get saved at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 110, <laughs> you know, you're glad that God allows his patience to run. Now, eventually, you will pay the price. It's not, it's not even a question of paying the price if you reject God. But his patience, his long-suffering is there. But when it comes time, they will pay the price. Ultimately, everybody reaps their reward after they die. And if God did no blessings on this earth for us as his believers, but he gave us the reward in heaven, ultimately that would be enough. He gives us blessings on this earth. He gives punishment to the, to the evil on this earth. But the fulfillment of it will be afterwards. And it will be complete, just as he said. He goes, there's one that comes out of you that imagines evil against the Lord, a wicked counselor. And this can be taken two things. Most people believe that it's King Shennacherib of, of Assyria who's in charge of Babylon and this whole thing is a, a, a prophecy about Nineveh, Nineveh, which is a whole prophecy about Nineveh. And so many people think that that's the wicked counselor. Some people believe that it's Satan, but it, regardless, it's the enemy of God that imagines evil. It's an amazing thing. When you start talking to people about God, you know, start talking to people and find out what they think God, about God. It's, it's almost hilarious to talk to people about what they think who God, who God is. You know, even some Christians, it's funny to see what they think God is. But the lost world has some really bizarre opinions about God. P bizarre opinions of what it means to be a Christian. Our job is to educate people about who God is who, what it means to be a Christian. You know, how, are we, how do we become his? It's pretty simple. We believe that Jesus died for our sins, that we're a sinner deserving punishment, and we accept that sacrifice through repentance and accepting him. Then he comes in and lives in us, and, we, and he lives out of us. Pretty easy. Now, the world will tell you, well, that's too easy. Well, if it was so easy, why can't the world do it? You know, that's always my question. Well, if it's that easy, why can't you do it? And that's the problem. People want something that's complicated. The gospel is so simple that a child can understand it and do it. And adults get too intellectual and say, well, you know, what can I do? How, what must I do to be saved was Nicodemus's question. And Jesus told him, believe. <laughs> what a simple answer. Believe. You cannot do anything to get saved other than accept Jesus Christ. 
we can't do enough good works. We can't do enough, you know, stop doing enough bad. We just put our trust in him. And that's very important for, for us. And then in verse 12, Thus saith the Lord, though they be quiet and like and wise men and likewise many, yet they shall be cut down, and when he passes through, when he passes through, though I have afflicted you, I will afflict you no more. And God is saying, Though they be at peace, completely at peace. Do you know anybody who's been at peace? They think everything is okay. You know, I've heard this. Why well, I don't need God, everything is going okay. All right, well, that's fine. There's going to come a time when everything's not going to be okay. And even when they say they're at peace and okay, they're really not usually, they're just not taking time to think it through. Have you ever been in your life thinking everything's going to be okay? You're, 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 you're on the mountaintop, you're in the pasture, and God says, okay, it's now time to go somewhere else. Now, that trip to go someplace else is always hard. You know, think about the shepherd taking their sheep from one pasture to another. That time of switching pastures is that hard place because they're on a path. Anything can happen on that path. You know, God takes us through this path, and it seems to be scary. You know, we've wiped out the field. <laughs> we've wiped out the first pasture, and God says, well, I know you can't stay here. You're not going to grow. We need to take you someplace else. We never will just stand still with God. When you're in a place where you think everything is just fine, everything is good, God's going to say, no, it's time to move on. He wants us growing. He wants to see us in gaining more knowledge, more understanding of him, more trust. And you know, the trust in him comes through trials. <laughs> you know, and we go, well, God, isn't there another way to do it? I don't think so. Otherwise, he wouldn't use the trials. <laughs> If anybody can think of another way, let me know. But I can't think of another way that he really gets us to trust in him except to put us in places where we have to trust him, which appear to be trials. And he says, will you trust me in this trial? Will you trust me in this place? And all of us go through trials and as I've said before, each one of us go through different types of trials. The more you know God, the harder your trial will be to see do you trust him in the next step. And we need to just keep this in mind. When somebody fails as a Christian, we need to love them and lift them up and build them up. Because they just didn't pass the test of trusting God in the middle of the trial. And every single one of us have failed trials. Okay, I'm not even going to say we failed a trial. We have failed multiple trials in our lifetime. And our hope is that somebody's going to encourage and bless us. Sometimes we get our butts kicked by people thinking, you know, well, let me try to help you. We're going to be Job's friends and try to really encourage you to really realize how worthless you are so that you'll lie in the gutter and roll around and we all don't need friends like that. We need to be the encourager that says, God loves you. God cares about you. Let's get you back up out of, the, out of this, and let's see how we can walk you back down the path. Let's get your, get your help. And this is important for us to understand. God loves his children. 
Don't ever get to this place where you think because everything seems to be going bad, God, uh, you don't love me anymore. It's a lie from the pit of hell. If you're his child, he loves you. Matter of fact, if you're not his child, he loves you. <laughs> okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. God loves people and gives them every chance to come to him and gives us every chance to come to him. And he says, I'm going to bring this affliction on my enemies. He says, for now I will break his yoke off you and will burst your bonds asunder. This was his promise to, Egypt, uh, to Jacob. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver you. Have you been in those victorious places where God breaks the bond and the yoke? You have a sin that you just couldn't get rid of, and God comes along and says, I'm going to take it off you. you know, and this is important for us. Every single person alive has at least one sin in their life that they just can't seem to get, get over because God says, it's going to take me to get over it. Do we trust him on that? Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. He says, I'm going to break the yoke of those bondages. I'm going to take them off. I love living the Christian life because God does the work. Okay. I want you to really begin to understand. All I've got to do is let God do it. Yes, that means I get into the Word and I do some things. And I've told you all, it's, you know, it is some hard work. God expects us to do, do a little bit, but he actually does the work. He says, take a step. Take the step toward him. When we read the biographies of people, we read the stories of the people in the Bible, they, they take a step. And that one step they take leads to all kinds of blessings. You know, we look at somebody like Billy Graham. Now, Billy Graham ended his life by preaching to millions of people each time he preached. He started out in small tents. Back when he was young, he started out preaching to tents, or in tents, not to the tent, but in, in tents, to very small crowds. He had to learn to get where he is, or was. He's now dead, but you know. where are we? Are we stepping out with God and saying, God, I just want to step out and do something? Or we kind of just, God, I can never do this. So I'm just going to sit down on my backside and just wait. Maybe, maybe you'll bless me. Maybe you'll show some greatness. Not going to happen. Not going to happen if you don't step out. Moses at the, at the burning bush, was, God called him and says, I've got a job for you. And it's kind of funny reading this because Moses, 40 years earlier, was going to be the great leader of Israel, Israel, uh, the Hebrews and lead them out. Forty years later, he's making all kinds of excuses to God. God, I can't because this, that, and the other, th other thing. And God says, no, I'm, 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 you're the one. How many times do we make excuses to God? God, I can't because. And you can fill in whatever you've used for God, tell God you can't. And God says, step out. Because in me, you can do all things. Why? Because it's him doing it. If it's going to be worth anything in the kingdom, it's him doing it. And we need to step forward and say, God, what are you going to do? Be challenged by God to step out. 
The Lord is, in verse 14, the Lord has given a commandment concerning you that no more shall your name be sown out of the house of your gods. I will cut off the graven images and the molten images, and I will make your grave, for you are vile. And he says, I'm going, you're going to be blessed. I am lifting you out. That's our promise by God. He is our defender. And I'm going to give you a secret that I'm sure you all know. God always keeps his word. <laughs> okay? Always. Now, we may know people who are very trustworthy and most of the time keep their word. God always keeps his word. May not be as fast as we want him to keep it. May not be in the time we want it to be kept in. And my experience with God is he usually waits to the last possible minute so that we know that it's him that did it. Okay, God very rarely gives us what we need weeks in advance so that we can forget that he gave it to us and somehow think we did it. When you need something, God gives it to you on time. When I, when I was living by faith financially, God always seemed to give me the money the day it was needed, not ahead of time. Why? Just so I would not forget that he provided it. And then this is something that's important. Trust God. Trust him. And this last verse I love because this is something we don't usually think. He goes, Behold upon the mountains the feet of them that brings good news, that proclaim good news. The prophets oftentimes had good news for some, bad news for others. But it says, Blessed are those that do this. Jacob, keep your solemn feast, perform your vows. The wicked shall no more pass through you. The vial shall be cut off. God says, keep doing what you know what to do. When God has taught us what to do, our job is simple. Keep doing what he's told us to do. <laughs> and this is something that is sometimes hard because we get weary. God, I'm just tired of doing this. And God says, well, just keep doing it. Abraham was called out of the Ur of Chaldees, and God says, leave your family and follow me. And we know, this, we know that he left Ur of Chaldees. He didn't really obey God, though. He took his father and he took his, son, his nephew. And he stopped for 20 years in Haran. And just stopped being obedient to God. Now, I don't know if anybody's been disobedient to God for 20 years like Abraham was. I hope not. But many of us have been disobedient to God's word for shorter periods of time. Maybe years, may, hopefully not. Maybe days, decades, I don't know. It's, you know. But God is saying, when you get stuck in these places, go back to what you know to do. If you feel that God is not talking and directing you, think back to the last thing God told you to do and go get it done. <laughs> because usually you've stopped doing whatever it was he told you to do already. Abraham had to go back and he was stuck in Haran and nowhere in the Bible does it say God talked to him in Haran. Now we can't say that he didn't but it indicates that he was not doing what he was told and God didn't talk to him. As soon as he left Haran, God started talking to him again. He was doing what he was supposed to do and God started speaking to him again. If God is silent in your life, look back and say, God, what is it that you last told me to do? And go back to doing it. Go back to doing it. Because God says to Judah, keep the feast I told you to do. Keep, keep doing what you know to do. So our job is obey God. 
His job is to protect us. And when we're in obedience, he'll protect us. When we're in disobedience, he will punish. And we've got to keep this in mind. Punishment, as we said last week, is designed to be painful. <laughs> Just the way it is. It's supposed to be painful enough that you don't want to make the activity that caused it again. Okay? If it wasn't that painful, it wouldn't be punishment. And, you know, when we're raising our children, we learn what's punishment for each child. Some punish, you know, I had one child, all you had to do is look at him and he'd break down in tears. I had another child that if you had to beat the daylights out of him to be able to get, you know, get them to feel, you know, feel anything. You know, God knows what it takes for us to be punished. We need to love him enough to follow him. And God is just saying, be obedient. And when we're obedient, we get the good, we get the good from him. We get blessed. When we're in disobedience, we get punished. When you're his enemy, you get vengeance. <laughs> the, the main thing is don't be his enemy. How do you get away from being his enemy? You become his child by accepting Jesus Christ. You know, and this is where we look at God's love. You know, too many people say, you know, well, God wasn't a God of love in the Old Testament. I don't know what Old Testament they're reading. <laughs> right here, God shows his love. There's a lot of vengeance in here. Yes, it is true that God's showing a lot of vengeance and, and punishment. But his love says, I protect my children. I'm your stronghold. I'm your keeper. So our challenge as we go, go about this week is going to be, number one, hide in Jesus. Hide in God if you're his child. If you're not his child, become his child. You know, but beyond this, hide. Be truthful. Be honest. Do the things God tells us to do. And hide in him. And we need to proclaim his word. We need to read his word. We need to proclaim his word. We need to tell people. And I want to challenge each one of us. How many people do you tell each week about Jesus? And this is something very serious. Our job is to go share the gospel. I don't know how many people you've shared the gospel with in recent weeks, months, days. Share the gospel. You know, grab some of the tracks we have. Pass out tracks. Whatever it takes. When you're sitting down with your friends, do you have friends that are going to go to hell? Do you even know some of your, whether your friends are going to hell or heaven or hell? We need to be able to share with people, talk to them. And it can be something real simple. What do you think about God? What do you think about the Bible? Find out what people believe. Because it's very important to know. Because if they die without Christ, they're going to spend eternity in hell. And this is something serious that we need to be able to consider. You know, do we love people enough to say, I want them in heaven? God wants them in heaven. God wants the most vile person to go to heaven, but they have to do it the right way through Jesus Christ. And we need to keep that in mind as we go forward. Let's bow. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Lord, help us to always understand your love and your mercy and your kindness. We ask that you go with us. Lord, teach us to hide in you. Teach us to serve you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.